Tuesday, February 6th. Welcome to the Damon Bruce Show. And before I touch down in Las Vegas on Wednesday, I want to touch on a subject that I know for a fact that neither station in San Francisco can talk about. Maybe they wouldn't even want to talk about it, but it's a little sticky and it's a little kind of beautiful if you are a Greg Papa fan, which I've always been and the revenge game that is in front of him. And that's where today's show starts. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Hit like and subscribe because they're probably not ever letting me back on the radio again after I do segments like this. So as you all know, before Greg Papa started as the play-by-play voice of the San Francisco 49ers, he was with the Raiders for two decades. And maybe more than any other broadcaster with any NFL team, he embodied the Raiders and Raiders fans. There was a time where the Raiders were so lost in the woods of incompetence that the only thing that was good about them was the game day radio broadcast because that is how good Greg Papa really is at play-by-play. Greg Papa, to me, is the top shelf liquor of football radio play-by-play. I don't know if there's ever been anyone who paints a vivid a picture of what 22 men are doing on a field all at the same time. Greg Papa is A++ when it comes to being a football play-by-play guy. And really, that's the job. Like, for whatever he says about other things, however offensive he might have offended anyone, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. He's so good at his job. He is such a conduit for your fans to connect to your team that it would be crazy to let a guy like that go. Well, Mark Davis did. One of the reasons, and going back to where this all started, is simply that Al Davis loved Greg Papa, and that feeling was mutual. There was an awful lot of respect from Greg to Al, Al to Greg, to the point where Greg really had Al's ear on personnel. Like there was a a moment in time where the joke was that Greg Papa was at least an assistant general manager because that's how much he could turn Al's ears. There was a rumor that if if a free agent wanted to ping on Al Davis's radar, the best way to get your free agent to ping on Al Davis's radar would to be to call Greg Papa and hopefully Greg will talk about this player with Al. Like Al didn't just bounce ideas off of Greg Papa. Greg Papa bounced ideas off of Al to improve the team. So there was probably a more unique relationship between Greg Papa, the play-by-play guy, and the team that he did play-by-play for than most play-by-play men had ever had in the history of sports. That's how tight that connection between Al Davis and Greg Papa was. This never sat well with Mark Davis. Mark Davis was always like, even though I believe he's an only child, the black cat of the family, the black sheep of the family. Again, if you're a multimillionaire, you don't let your son go to Chico unless you don't have that big of an idea for your son's future. Like, I mean, it's just look and, and here's the thing. 
Mark Davis is easy to make fun of. He presents himself easily to make fun of. He, in so many ways, though, gets to win the I'm a good owner war based on the value of the franchise, what he's been able to accomplish since relocation and just in terms of profitability. Mark Davis is not nearly the low-hanging fruit of stupid that some people make him out to be, but he's also not very good at most of this at the same time. So it's a weird gray area that's happening there, right? Greg Papa was fired in July of 2018 after 21 years with the Raiders, where he was the heart and soul of the Raiders for the most part. It was a slow-moving firing, though. After, like, a little bit of a a cooling-off period, there were no on-field walks between Mark Davis and Greg Papa anymore. There were no friendly phone calls or visits or invites to P.F. Chang's. Why? Well, a slow-moving firing of Greg Papa, and I was at 95-7 the game as all of this was happening. And I know it, it, this, this hurt Greg. He did not want to be fired. He landed to say on his feet in spectacular fashion with the San Francisco 49ers. But I really believe that if we could go back in time right now and offer Greg the deal, do you still want to be the Raiders play-by-play guy and maybe move with them to Las Vegas one day? I think Greg might have taken that deal. Greg loved the Raiders. And the Raiders and Mark Davis and Al Davis loved him until in 2015, Greg Papa basically said that Mark Davis was pissing on the grave of his father's memory by even interviewing Mike Shanahan for a Raiders coaching opening at the time. Now, Shanahan coached the Raiders from 88 to 89 and had a huge falling out with Al Davis that was never ever put to bed. I mean, that grudge was taken to the grave. And because Greg Papa was like a surrogate son of Al Davis, he did more to protect Al Davis in memory than Mark Davis did. At least Greg was deeply offended. And he even said, I grabbed this quote off of an article written about this at the time, quote from Greg Papa, I threatened to quit the team and I would have no association because of my love and respect for Al Davis if Mike Shanahan had been hired. That's like how to the marrow of his bones Greg Papa believed that just even talking to Mike Shanahan was an insult to the memory of Al Davis. Well, obviously, Mark heard all this. Mark was deeply offended by this. And there must have been, like all things, a little element of truth to this that resonated with Mark Davis, or he would not have been so offended, right? Well, Greg Papa, knowing that he doth protest too much, might have done everything he could to smooth things out, but he found out there was no Zambonying the playoff surface of the rough ice that was now left between Greg Papa and Al Davis. Next thing you know, Greg was taken off of preseason games, and Mark brought in Pam Ward to do Raiders preseason games. 
This was a crafty move by Mark Davis because this was in an era where women ascending to play-by-play jobs was so rare and infrequent that you were not allowed to criticize it or insult it. You just had to sit back and go, oh, isn't that great for, for Pam Ward and, and, and women broadcasters? So it was a very smart retreat point, and Brent Musburger was obviously brought in as the full-time radio play-by-play guy, but Greg was denied slipping over to do preseason games on TV. Pam Ward got to do that. So it was another just kind of massive FU from Mark Davis to Greg Papa. So... We go now to 2019, and Greg Papa has been terminated by the Raiders, and Ted Robinson, who, by the way, is a fabulous play-by-play guy, fantastic at his job, super-duper good guy, he gets let go by the 49ers to bring in Greg Papa, who obviously is an iconic broadcasting figure in the Bay Area. I mean, it's Greg Papa. You probably shouldn't walk away from the Greg Papa business in the Bay Area. That's how popular the guy is. The 49ers were smart enough to realize, even though Ted Robinson is really good at this, he doesn't have a connection to the Bay quite like Greg does. And so they said goodbye to Ted Robinson. They bring in Greg Papa, and Greg Papa has now been the voice of the San Francisco 49ers since that very first Super Bowl season for Kyle Shanahan. So Greg Papa has already reached a Super Bowl before the Raiders have. So he's got that feather in his cap, but it's nothing like the feather that he could put in his cap this upcoming Sunday. Let's fast forward to right now. Greg Papa is preparing to call his second Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers, but this one comes in the house that Mark Davis built in Las Vegas. And think about all of this from Mark Davis's perspective. When this game is over on Sunday night, one of two things will have happened. The confetti of your arch rival will have fallen on your field because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl And your arch rival has picked up one of the biggest wins in its franchise's history in the single biggest win in the history of your stadium. Your arch rival owns the biggest win in the history of your stadium, which is forever filled with opposing fans coming to root against you. Like, enjoy your profit margin because that's all the really Raiders have left. And good luck with the Luke Getze era. (laughs) That's another show. What we have is confetti dropping on your arch rival to Mark Davis or your personal professional rival, Greg Papa, is being fitted for a Super Bowl ring as he is sitting in what I'm guessing will be, you know, what, the the Homer away play-by-play booth right above either directly above or directly across from where Mark Davis will be sitting at the Super Bowl. You telling me those eyes aren't going to lock, whether they can see it or happen? You tell me Greg's not going to be hunting through his binoculars where Mark Davis is sitting and vice versa? It's personal between these two guys. It got 
a dead a dead father being involved and how to properly honor and respect your dead father is involved in this rivalry between Greg Papa and Mark Davis. It doesn't get more personal than that, plus the element of the profession. And let me just say, I'm on team Greg Papa with this one. I always I'm always pro broadcaster. Fuck the suits. Bless the broadcaster. That's why I'm on YouTube now, because the suits know how I feel. <laughs> and all I'm telling you is that to properly serve this dish as cold as possible, if I'm Greg and the San Francisco 49ers got a lead in this game to the point where you know this ship is almost docked, and the 49ers score a style points late touchdown in this game. What I hope is that Greg drops the touchdown San Fran Cisco, which, by the way, I, I love Greg's call. I never liked his 49ers touchdown call. But the reason why he went to the three syllable San Fran Cisco is because touchdown Raiders. That couldn't cross the bay. That had to stay with the Raiders. And Greg was smart enough to know that. If the 49ers win this Super Bowl on the Raiders field, I hope Greg takes it back. And for the first time, he unleashes a touchdown, Niners. And that's how I want the Super Bowl to end. A late style points touchdown with Greg dropping his touchdown, Raiders, but using Niners. And Oh, what a revenge for Greg Papa. I've always been on Team Papa. I like Greg. Uh, you know, who's had a better 21-year run, Greg or the Raiders? The, the best Raider there was was Greg Papa through an awful lot of that run. He loved that team. Mark Davis fired him to hurt him, to wound him. The way that clearly Mark was wounded by what Greg had to say about Mike Shanahan. And there's this. And this is just the cherry, boop, right on top of the Sunday. It's Mike Shanahan's kid, Kyle, coaching the 49ers, as you know. But that's Mike Shanahan's kid, Kyle Shanahan, if you're wondering where he came from. So, Team Shanahan is definitely on Team Papa, and Team Papa is definitely on Team Shanahan right here. How this has all come together, it's like a script. They say the NFL is scripted. Well, sometimes the drama around the game is so perfect that it feels like that is scripted too. Unbelievable. And again, I, the radio stations can't talk about this because you're either promoting your competition or you're bringing up old memories, which you kind of want to get away from. Like, it is just, this is one of the single best elements of this Super Bowl. That this is happening on Mark Davis's field with his two professional arch rivals, and I mean the Chiefs and Greg Papa, and then his former geographical rival being the 49ers, who Greg Papa now works for. I mean, mwah, if you like drama, it's like an episode of Real Housewives of the NFL. This is fantastic. 
oh, I can't wait to touch down. Cannot wait to touch down in Las Vegas and bring it all to you. Um, Revenge is a dish best served cold. And how cold it would be if Greg Papa dropped a touchdown Niners. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love Super Bowl. Um, Let me say thank you very, very much to everyone who is here. Go ahead and hit like, hit subscribe, and hit notify, because if you are on that notify, you will be abreast of every single time we go live from Las Vegas. I'm going to tell you, we're going to be going live from Las Vegas on Wednesday. Don't know when exactly because my flight time and the time that I check in and pick up my media credential uh, will probably happen throughout the morning, which means we're not going to have an 11 a.m. right on the dot show on Wednesday, but we're having a Damon Bruce show on Wednesday. It's coming It's coming to you. Don't know when, don't know from exactly where, but it will be happening live from Las Vegas on Wednesday. And then a lot of things are going to be coming to you from Las Vegas. A lot of behind the the scenes peaks, a lot of sexy Vegas shots, of course. Uh, Larry Kruger and I will be doing Wake Up Friday morning live from Las Vegas, and we'll probably get in a couple of other wake-ups, maybe a late-night wake-up or something like that at some point in time. Uh, I cannot wait for this to all happen. It's going to be an awful lot of fun. And the rules are there are no rules. I can do whatever I want. I'm not subject to a radio station, Radio Rose rules. We can take this show and bring it anywhere we want. And I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Again, like and subscribe, my friends. Like and subscribe and hit that notify button. That would be a great way for you to find Everything I'm doing coming to you live from Las Vegas. Uh, I am coming to you live from Las Vegas because of some sponsors that are making that happen, namely my man Ike. And I want you to download that Ike's Reward app right now because every point the 49ers score and have scored in this postseason has been given as a membership rewards points. He wants to give you free sandwiches every single time the 49ers score. Go ahead and sign up for that Ike's Rewards app. Have lunch delivered to you. Have your Super Bowl meal delivered to you when you're in your office this week, next week, check out Ike's Catering. You can be the hero of lunchtime in your own office. Download the Ike's Rewards app and boom, start earning your way towards free sandwiches. Uh, When you're looking to maybe make a wager on the big game, mybookie.ag, use promo code Damon when you sign up there, and promo code Hunter if you are thinking about, you know, my knee is killing me, my elbow, my hip, my shoulder, my joints, I need a partial or total replacement. No, you don't. What you need is to see Dr. Paul Hughes. Go to orthopedicsurgeries.com to avoid and orthopedic surgery, cellular replacement therapy. I got the Kobe knees, you can get the Kobe knees, and you can get them from Dr. Paul Hughes at half off by using code word HUNTER. And if you forget that, just say, I I heard about you on the Damon Bruce Show on YouTube. Thank you for supporting my guy. Now, Doc, what can you do about my knee, my shoulder, my hip, my pain? He can figure it out and solve it without this invasive surgery, thanks to the cellular replacement therapy that he is a specialist in. And I'm not just here doing a commercial. I've had the procedure done and boy, does my knee feel better than it used to. 
So there you go. Thanks so much to our sponsors. Thanks so much to, to, to all of you. Uh, it is great to have you here today. Again, we don't need to get you know angry like this right here, like R.I.P. Cougar Rebel. Mark Davis is a bitch. Let me tell you, you think someone's offending your father's memory? You'd get pretty upset about that too. And there's no doubt, like Greg pissed on Mark Davis. He basically said, I love your father and respect him more than death than you do. I could have seen why that would offend a son. Love that Papa is on Sports Talk Radio. It's been a while now. He's very entertaining. He's an entertaining guy. I like Greg. I always have. Greg has done an awful lot to, uh, to, to look at it this way. When I was at KNBR, and Greg was at 95.7 the game, as they were considering who to bring over to get that station some attention, Greg said, you go hire Damon. Like Greg was definitely one of my advocates in my career, and I appreciate that. DJ, DJ Melvis says, did they fire him with an overhead projector message, I assume? Good, good guess, but no, it was, it was probably even icier than that. Hey, buenos dias to La Profesora. Good to see you, La Profesora. Hey, Millhouse Meats, that is fireable. Can't say shit like that. Well, again, Greg thought he could. He thought that he could, and then he found out that he could not. He found out that hard way. So again, I hope he loads up a touchdown Niners into his musket, and he's able to fire it in a winning cause on Super Bowl Sunday. So we got a few other things to get in here too before I go and run some what are you know everyone's last minute errands before you take that little work trip or whatever trip you go to Las Vegas. Like I could use a new pair of sneakers. I got to stop at the bank not to just pick up a whole bunch of singles, but some cash uh, because I got a limit on the ATM. Obviously, need to let that bank knowing that I'm traveling so they don't start shutting down any credit cards while I'm on the road. You know all the all the things that everyone needs to do before they get on an airplane and go somewhere. I'm going to be in Las Vegas until Saturday. It's going to be a really good time. And then at the two minute warning, I'm going to be right back here, right in front of this backdrop. And we will be doing post game and Damon of the Super Bowl at the two minute warning. Another reason why you want to go ahead and hit that notify button along with a like and a subscribe. Thank you very, very much. So the Chiefs are what embracing the role or trying to live up to the billing of the bad guy? Is that what I'm hearing an awful lot of today? So uh, quite a few boos by all the 49ers fans in attendance. It feels like 49ers fans are taking over Las Vegas. It certainly sounded like that at the NFL media uh, 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 you know, blowout that they had at Allegiant Stadium on Monday night. I would just like to say this, though, as there's an awful lot of talk of, well, the Chiefs have been on top of the NFL so long that there's a lot of jealousy and people don't like the Chiefs anymore. And the Chiefs have become the villain and Patrick Mahomes is now the villain. And we don't like that much success being given to one team. And that's why they are now unlikable. And un stop it. Just stop it like that. I, I'm going to tell you right now, besides the Raiders, nobody hates the Chiefs. Nobody. Nobody hates the Chiefs. 
Niners fans might if they lose two Super Bowls to the Chiefs, but nobody really hates the Chiefs. Like Andy Reid is likable. Arrowhead Stadium's awesome. They got good uniforms. They seem to have great fans. Um, you know, they, they never bothered you throughout their entire history, pretty much. But for this one moment, so it's not like you grew up generationally as a little kid hating the Kansas City Chiefs again, unless you were a Raiders fan, in which case that's your rival and you're allowed to. Nobody hates Patrick Mahomes. We might have a little Mahomes fatigue. There might be a little Taylor Swift fatigue, but people keep voting yes on, on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, uh, you know, we don't like his wife. We definitely don't like his brother. His father seems to have a serious alcohol problem, which makes us not like him too. But Patrick Mahomes? Everybody's pretty cool with Patrick Mahomes. This is, you don't have to like invent like, what is it like to be the bad guy now? And you can tell he doesn't want to be the bad guy. He's like, no, I want to do State Farm commercials. I want people to like me. You know, don't, don't like my wife on her Instagram account if you want to. But me, I'm not the bad guy here. But he's, you know, he's trying to be that little bit of a villain. Like we like barbecue. Kansas City's a cool town. It's, it, no one dislikes Kansas City that much because Kansas City hasn't really mattered that much. Until this, until now. Kansas City playing this whole, you are all, uh, 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 you know, uh, the villains. It's as, it's as ridiculous as everyone trying to say, the, you know, the 49ers. Did somebody say, like, no one expected us to be here? What are you talking about? Including the Super Bowl, the 49ers have been favored in every single game that they have played this year. All of them. They have been the favorite in every game that they've played. The expectation for the team in training camp was, you better be in the fucking Super Bowl. And so that's, no, what, what are they talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the media is a little tipsy. Maybe Kyle Shanahan was a little tipsy. Anyone notice that last night? <laughs> some of the some of the, the sound bites that Kyle returned from that uh, NFL opening night, like it sounded like at the podium, he went in there and he was kind of sober. And I don't know what he had in his cup. And maybe, maybe it was just a long day and it sounded like he was slurring his words. I don't know what his inebriation level was or wasn't, but he seemed a much looser, goosier, smilier, slurring just a little bit. Kyle Shanahan, who maybe either had it all come, you know, some people when they drink, they can drink for an hour and it feels like they're staying pretty, pretty sober. And then all of a sudden, boom, the alcohol goes off on like a time release bomb. And now all of a sudden they went from not that drunk to, hey, kind of drunk, like quickly. Maybe that's what happened. To, I don't know. I, I thought he was a little tipsy. And then I see some hand wringing like, oh, this is an embarrassment. I, I will say this. I've never seen anyone even, you know, in the neighborhood of maybe inebriated at an NFL Super Bowl media function. I've, I've never seen that, much less from a player other than a head coach. So maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Maybe this is just super Lucy Goosey Kyle Shanahan, in which case, whether it was un, uh, released by him just feeling loose or, you know, <clears throat> alcohol being a little bit of a of, of, of a loosen you up kind of a, a situation. Isn't a looser Kyle Shanahan what we've all been asking for here? Loose Kyle Shanahan is kind of what I'm looking for. Not the uptight, ultra conservative, not willing to make a, you know, do anything that is off script. Kyle Shanahan. Like, I'm happy that Kyle Shanahan is feeling a little loosey goosey. 
feeling himself a little. He should. He should. I think a loose Shanahan is kind of what you want all week. The story about the sod and UNLV's practice. That's By the way, that's just so on brand for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know if there's ever been a team that complains about the playing surface, either on its home field, away fields, practice fields. Like the 49ers are the most particular playing on whatever surface they might be on team in the NFL. So it's very on brand that they would be upset about this. But look, if you got a soggy turf, that could lead to an injury. But apparently the 49ers have just said, all right, we're done talking about it. We're just going to do what we're going to do. No one's hitting this week anyways. You're not really running through full contact practices anyway. So everyone just needs to calm down right there. And again, what, what could possibly be installed right now? What could what could be taught this week in football practice that's going to affect the Super Bowl? The only thing that could happen in practice this week that's really going to affect the Super Bowl would be somebody getting hurt, which is why the 49ers are concerned about the playing surface of their practice field in the first place. So, Joe Schmo calls him the pop father. <laughs> I've heard a lot of nicknames for Greg. I've never heard the pop father. There we go. So. Looking at this game. It's really fitting that this is the game we get. These are the two best teams in the NFL so far this decade. They really are. They really are. Mike Sando of The Athletic broke it all down. You know, you'd think that Andy Reid, you know, how about this? Kyle Shanahan has won more frequently with Jimmy Garoppolo and now Brock Purdy at quarterback. He's got a 724 percentage with the two of them. Then Andy Reid won with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, who's got a 721. 724 is just a little bit higher than 721 in terms of winning percentage. The 49ers only trailed the Kansas City Chiefs in total victories over the last three seasons. That's including the playoffs. And this is really, this is the Super Bowl that we deserve. This is the Super Bowl that that we have earned watching. And uh, God, I hope that the 49ers just can win it. The pressure that they're under is insane. Absolutely insane. Again, of course the Chiefs are under pressure. You know, Patrick Mahomes trying to win a second Super Bowl. Uh, Excuse me. A third Super Bowl is um, is a big deal. The great ones got three, right? So, you know, legacy game for all involved, but especially a guy like Mahomes. The 49ers will either be seen as the best team in football that finally became fitted for the crown that they've been vying for for years or they're total losers with a coach who can't get it done, and now we need to reevaluate whether or not Brock Purdy's the right guy for the job. Like, it is just going to be a shit show. And the fun of next year gets taken away before next year even starts. If the Niners lose this Super Bowl next season, basically the entirety of the regular season is dead on arrival with everybody saying it doesn't matter what happens in the regular season anymore because it only matters what Kyle does in the playoffs. And even though Kyle's got a lot of playoff wins, he hasn't won the Super Bowl. So I'm unhappy. That's what 49er fans are going to say. Win the Super Bowl. That goes away forever. Lose the Super Bowl and it haunts you 
it haunts you as a fan, as a player, and ah, uh, as Kyle Shanahan. Like if that guy wants a drink on a Monday of Super Bowl week, let him have two. This guy is under as much pressure as I think we've seen any head coach under in recent memory in a Super Bowl. This is just this this game's got gravitational pull on the man's happiness for the rest of his life. Like besides the night his children were born or the night he met his wife, Sunday in Las Vegas is the biggest night of Kyle's life. Oh, he's got to get it. Under what scenario can you say you're more ready to win a Super Bowl than right here, right now, this year with this team? This is it. And with all due respect to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a big, unstoppable, unmovable entity in the NFL that is a real, real problem, the 49ers have to go beat them like they were the Carolina. It doesn't matter that it's the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It didn't matter who showed up in the Super Bowl. The 49ers must win this game. Defeat is not an acceptable outcome in this game. And that is unfair because you can either win it or lose it. The fork in the road goes like this or this. But for the Niners, going like this into a loss... Oh, devastation. Absolute devastation. The opportunity to win it all will never be as spread eagle, just waiting for the 49ers to come consummate their greatness as it is right now in this Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Wednesday's shows, Thursday's shows, Friday's shows, a Saturday get-the-hell-out-of-town show is coming your way here on Damon Bruce Plus. Lots of fun videos coming over. Uh, I will be posting my 1,000th video from Las Vegas, 1,000 videos in about 9, 10 months. It's, it's a lot of work. Thank you for saluting the work and for acknowledging by your clicks and viewing that you're digging what we're doing over here. So thank you very, very much. Again, 49ers fans, it sounds like they've completely taken over Las Vegas. They dominated opening night. Um, I, I can't wait to just talk to Niners fans in casinos, on the street, just walking around. Fans are going to be so excited. I would like to talk about the one element in sports that is not taking over Las Vegas, and that's the Oakland A's. How about this story? And by the way, don't think that there's just some coincidence here. The mayor of Las Vegas, Carolyn Goodman, absolutely waited to drop this bomb on John Fisher during Super Bowl week with the entire sports media world assembled in her city. There is no coincidence at all that this is the week the mayor of Las Vegas herself said, you know, uh, the A's really belong in Oakland. Think about that. Major League Baseball has told Las Vegas, you can have a major league team. The mayor of the city that is now supposed to get that major league team is like, eh. The more Las Vegas gets to know John Fisher, the less they like about him or convinced that they can deliver the monorail that he promised to Shelbyville. 
to be around John Fisher in the way he does business is to make love to incompetence. John Fisher doesn't screw up some things. He fucks up everything. That's who he is. The people that he hires them are nothing but bootlick ass kissers of someone who doesn't know how to do anything even with his parents' money. Like John Fisher, born on third base, he still can't even find the 90 feet to get him home. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unless you were a Las Vegas politician who actually got greased with some of John Fisher's money, nobody wants the A's in Las Vegas, except for the commissioner of Major League Baseball, the other owners that voted on it. But that's the end of the list. Nobody in Las Vegas is excited about the A's. Nobody even wants them there. They want their own team. They don't want any of John Fisher's baggage. Every single site that they've planned, every rendering that they have for a stadium is essentially laughed at the minute it comes off of the table. It is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. This idea that the city of Las Vegas is excited about the, uh, the, 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 look at it this way. The city of Las Vegas isn't even that excited about the Raiders. They're just happy to have an NFL team and a reason for people to come every weekend. Raiders, Chargers, Rams, wouldn't have mattered. Titans, wouldn't have mattered who showed up. Just get, just get us an NFL team. But to get in bed with the biggest fucking galactic loser left in sports ownership in the United States? Thank you to Bear of War. Since there are no rules, can we get a broadcast from the Spearmint Rhino? There are probably rules at the Spearmint Rhino. But I like the way you're thinking, Bear of War. <laughs> I, I like the way you're thinking. Unbelievable. So during Super Bowl week, the A's are getting destroyed by the mayor of the city they're supposed to be moving to. I mean, what are they going to do? So what's going to happen? They're seriously going to have to come tucked tail between their legs back to Oakland at one point here or what? Salt Lake City? Sacramento. I mean, what what are you, what are you going to do? I seriously hope that he, that son of a bitch has to sell. He should be forced to sell. He's an absolute staggering incompetent of the first degree who just like in Oakland has no political will, has no one fighting on his side, has nobody carrying his torch who wasn't literally paid to do it. John Fisher is so bad at this. He has fucked up the A's in the city that they're leaving and the city that they're going to. <laughs> it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So, just an unbelievable week set up here in Vegas. Uh, do you know what I'll do? I'm, I think I'm going to interview, uh, let's do men and women on the street interviews. How excited about the Oakland A's are you? Like, I feel like we're going to need a crickets soundtrack. Just chirp, 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 chirp. A couple of other things. And again, we're, we're not going to have a club plus today because... Papa's got to go run some errands. 
Uh, have to bring this up, though, because it's significant. And this is where I want to spend pretty much the rest of today's show, because uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of, of college football and basketball. And the NCAA is now officially looking at the end of its own reality. Monday, a National Labor Relations Board regional officer ruled that Dartmouth basketball and its players are now employees with the right to unionize. Okay. Well, we know that lawyers and appeals are certainly coming. Northwestern tried to do this, but the world in 2023 is a much different place than it was in 2014, where Northwestern was the first school to say, hey, you know, maybe us players can unionize here and affect a little change in the NCAA. What is going to happen with this Dartmouth legal decision as it goes forward. This is a stunning moment in time. As a matter of fact, Michael McCann of McCann Sports Law writes, the recognition of Dartmouth men's basketball players, our employees, is one of the most significant development in sports, labor, and employment law ever. Yes, Dartmouth, like Northwestern in 2014, can appeal. But the world is a lot different now. Screwing over a bunch of college kids in the name of amateurism was a lot easier to sell back in 2014 than it is right now. We are living in a transfer portal era. We are living in the tantamount uh, 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 equivalent of, of free agency due to name, image, and likeness. And look, I'm going to tell you that the extremes of both of these positions aren't good. Trying to just continue to get over on a generation of kids and and use their free labor in the name of we don't pay you, your amateurs, room and board and education is all you get. That's probably too much. To allow them to be recognized as employees of a university means what? Let's say Billy has a bad game, four games in a row. Can Billy get fired now? Like show up at the practice gym with your uniform, your playbook, and your checkbook because we want all that name, image, and likeness money back now? When you're an employee and someone moves on from you being an employee, you stop getting paid. How is that going to affect name, image, and likeness deals? Are kids going to get fired? And let me just ask, how the hell are you supposed to be a mid-major basketball coach and coach a kid hard? If you coach a kid too hard, he might become so good that he's now looking for bigger name, image, and likeness dollars at another program that can give him more opportunity and more money. Or you're going to coach him so hard that he resents you and basically says, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to go somewhere else because the transfer portal is wide open. You have no more province over me. As a matter of fact, giving the players all the power in that coach-player dynamic isn't right and it's not good. Like, how do we meet in the middle between the illusion of amateurism and straight up treating kids like employees? Like, the truth and what's best for everyone, namely the student-athlete, is somewhere in the middle of all that, but the NCAA has basically punted on being a voice of reason because they've just been a voice of dissent against best business practices in the name of amateurism to protect the dollars. What a mess this is all becoming. What an absolute mess. You hear Rick Patino is talking about how college basketball is going to need a salary cap. It's, it's nuts. It's nuts. 
I'm going to say this too. And I'm not saying that it's because of amateurism or paying kids or anything, but college sports is starting to mean less. I heard this brought up the other day. It was North Carolina Duke. North Carolina Duke would happen twice a year. And twice a year, that thing would get covered like Yankees, Red Sox. North Carolina Duke was the one college game that everybody leaned into and got excited about because it was like watching a draft class versus another draft class. Anybody give a shit about UNC Duke now? Raise your hand if you even knew that that game was played. It doesn't matter like it used to. In a world of boutique interest, it feels like the boutiques around major college basketball rivalries are becoming smaller things, not bigger things, in the world of sports. The only thing that officially is the bigger thing in the world of sports now is the NFL, and it's basically crowded every other chess piece right off the chess board. Everything is a tiny little boutique store compared to the Walmart that is the NFL. Again, compensation is great, but not at the expense of the natural order of how coaches and players are supposed to function in a relationship. College basketball teams need salary caps. Think about that. Crazy. Little on the Golden State Warriors, who picked up a win in Brooklyn that they they absolutely needed. Clay Thompson being held out of the closing lineup in that much-needed win is what everyone seems to be talking about, buoyed with some pretty emotional in-the-locker-room conversation between Anthony Slater and Clay Thompson, where you could just see Clay is you know, confronting his own mortality. And he's trying hard to give... Basketball mortality, the Heisman pose as long as he can, but we're seeing it in the results. And Guy Santos was part of the Warriors' closing unit. It's hard watching Clay. It's harder listening and watching that video sent back by Anthony Slater. But I'm sorry. We just said it the other day. There's a big fork sticking out of Clay Thompson's back. And as much as we love him and are pretending not to see it or that it, it it's not there or like a, a fork in a drawer, sometimes it's going to be there, sometimes it won't be there. It's hard to imagine Clay Thompson having 20, 30, 40 really good games left in his career when we see the way that he goes out and he plays. You know, when a shooter can't shoot, what do you got left? It's tough. Meanwhile, Brandon Pajemski was very good last night. He's emerging as a real NBA player. Pajemski is the second guard in NBA history to record a double-double and zero turnovers in three consecutive games. He's a rookie. He's a rookie dropping double-doubles with no turnovers. He is getting better the more he's played. For whatever reason, Trace Jackson Davis is still a, oh, just maybe coach is going to play him. Maybe it's a coach DNP. I don't, I don't get that. I don't get how they're developing. I don't get it. What I do know is that the team is not good enough around Steph Curry. Who's, it's ridiculous that Steph Curry's not starting the All-Star game. Look, I like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander is this, and Steph Curry is this. And Steph has got to come off the bench. Luka and Shea Gilgis-Alexander are your Western Conference starting guards in the upcoming NBA All-Star game. By the way, someone who's just figured out what I do here. Damon, I like you. You don't give a darn and get to the point. 
Well, thank you, Fancy25. It's why I'm loved and hated all at the same time. Um, listen to what Steph Curry has done. Listen to how unsupported Steph Curry has been by his own teammates so far this year. A few stats that I, I gathered on Twitter last night. Steph Curry has made 47 field goals in clutch situations this year. That is 12 more than anybody else in the NBA. His shooting splits, Steph Curry's shooting splits in clutch moments are the holy grail of shooting splits. He's 52, 49, and 97. 50, 40, 90 is the holy grail of shooting splits. 50 from the floor, 40 from downtown, 90 from the free throw line. He's scoring at a rate of 50 points per 36 minutes, and yet the Warriors have still lost 18 clutch games, which is the second most in the NBA. And that's because as Steph is playing his fanny off in these important minutes, the rest of the team around him basically sticks its thumb up his ass and goes, gee, Steph, carry us home. In clutch minutes, Steph Curry has 152 points this year. The rest of the Warriors have 145. In clutch minutes, Steph Curry has made 47 field goals all by himself. The rest of the team is combined for 52. In clutch minutes, Steph Curry has knocked down 26 three-pointers. The rest of the Golden State Warriors combined have hit 17. Steph is shooting 52%. The rest of the team shooting 38%. Steph is shooting nearly 50% from three. The rest of the team is just over 25%. 97% from the free throw line. The rest of the team can't even hit its free throws. Seven out of 10, they're at 67%. In other words, the, raw, the, the problem with the Golden State Warriors ain't Steph Curry at all. He has been unbelievable, all things considered. It's the team around him that has, what, 48 hours to do something before the trade deadline hits on Thursday to do something, and all precincts are reporting don't expect much. It's ridiculous to say that the Warriors have wasted Steph Curry's prime because in Steph Curry's prime, they won four championships. That's not a waste of anyone's prime. And Steph Curry is no longer in his prime at his age, but he's still playing an unbelievable level of basketball. And the Warriors are officially wasting the end of his career. That's the right way to say it. What is going on here at the end of Steph Curry's career? The Warriors are wasting that. They didn't waste his prime. They more than delivered. But the end of Steph Curry's career seems to have been lost on a sea of, what do we do with Andrew Wiggins? How much longer are we going to believe in Klay Thompson? Is Draymond Green going to get suspended for something childish again? By the way, Draymond's been on his best behavior since he's come back. Draymond's been pretty damn good since he's come back. Draymond's having an actually a good season for him, you know, despite all the NBA suspensions. How's Curry doing? Here's how he's doing. Steph Curry this week, and you probably don't even know this, Steph Curry this week passed Wilt Chamberlain for the most 50-point games after turning 30 years old in NBA history. Wilt had seven. Now Steph has eight with that losing 60-point effort in overtime in Atlanta earlier this week. 
Couple of other NBA notes, only because when something happens in the league for the first time ever, you got to acknowledge it. Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans had 40 plus points, made eight plus threes, shot 75% from the field, had zero turnovers. He's the first player in NBA history to do all of that in the same game. So Brandon Ingram and the Pelicans, he was certainly on one. Joel Embiid is out a month with knee surgery. Ouch, 76ers. By the way, apparently, our 49ers Ultimate Report friend John and Chef A are talking about how today a If you needed that, if you needed that, you just got it. We are at maximum football. And look, I'm not going to be able to push that when I'm in Las Vegas. Put an oy, oy, oy on it, too. Slavic Niner says it's absolutely Super Bowl victory or bust. Yeah, this team has no option but to go win this Super Bowl. They have no option. They got to do it. They just got to do it. Got to do it. You know, this team is not going to be brought back as is assembled like this again. It's it's this is a moment in time that they got to got to take advantage of. They got to do it. You'll never believe in them in any other year if they don't get it done this year. This year, they get the benefit of the doubt and a lot of house credit going forward. Oh, Shanahan finally got it. Now he knows how to get it. See in the postseason, everybody. Regular season is fun, but now the real fun begins. Other than, hey, doesn't matter what happens in the postseason because there's nothing but an axe waiting for you to lop your head off in the biggest game of the year in the postseason. And I don't want that. You don't want that. Kyle Shanahan doesn't want that. Juan Santa Maria says the 49ers can save San Francisco just like in 82. There is a little bit of a, of a parallel there. 82 was bad year in San Francisco. You had the Moscone and Harvey Milk killings, and it was just kind of a, a down year and a down time, and you had the Jim Jones suicide cult. It was just ugly. And that Super Bowl team lifted up a city that was kind of down on its hard luck. I'm going to tell you right now, San Francisco isn't nearly as down on its, on its luck as some people would like you to believe. But a little bounce in the step, Little influx of people coming downtown. It's exactly what the 49ers could do with the Super Bowl parade, and it would be certainly a welcome thing. Joe Schmo, Pods was great, wasn't he? What do we got here? NorCal refrigeration. How can I take Kyle seriously? He was wasted last night. First of all, I know what wasted looks like. That's not wasted. That's, 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 that, that's, I think he's had a couple drinks. And that's fine. It's Monday. I'm sure he'll be sober for the game. If Kyle's drunk at the game, then we got a big fucking problem on our hands. Outside of that, go clutch your pearls somewhere else. Oh, oh, Kyle. Oh, how can we take him seriously? He's the head coach of a Super Bowl. You should probably take that guy seriously. He's got a better winning percentage in the NFL than Andy Reid does. Take that guy seriously. Good God, bunch of. Again, 
You're from San Francisco. You're supposed to be cooler than that. Good God. Oh my God. Sporticus, if the 49ers lose, there's another atmospheric river coming to the Bay Area. Yeah, it's going to be tears. Speaking of tears, James Jones, who we've talked to the last couple of Sports Fund Fridays, sharing with us that his father is in hospice care, has a little update for us. He says, it doesn't look like my dad is going to make it to Sunday, Damon. He asked me two days ago how much time was left in the game. I told him we were winning the whole damn thing. Bless you and your family, James. Bless your father. Uh, hold his hand. Ferry him across the river sticks. And I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Um, this is a, a painful moment. It's a beautiful moment. It is, uh, it's a powerful moment. So just be with your father. Just be with your father as much as you can. Thank you for, for sharing this with us, James. Um, I'm terribly sorry. Terribly sorry that you're going through this. And hopefully he passes as peacefully as possible. This is uh, Jason PDSI says, Damon, I'm watching the stream from the beginning. Thank you for recognizing the greatness of Greg Papa. He's fantastic. I mean, he's fantastic at play-by-play. I don't think there's a, a better football play-by-play guy from a radio presentation than Greg Papa. Okay, Greg and I have never totally seen eye-to-eye. Our heads have butted a few different times in our careers, but he knows how much I think of him as a play-by-play man. He knows that I've got the deepest respect for him. Um, and again, I didn't do that segment for Greg. I, I, I did it for me. I did it for this channel. Content has no friends. But oh, how sweet it will be for Greg if he gets that win. Super Chat says, Damon, I'm a Giants fan, and since I've been a baseball fan, I've been saying John Fisher's a piece of garbage. He is, man. John Fisher, he sucks the big one. That guy just sucks. He's incompetent. He's incapable. He is unliked. He is literally walking proof that you shouldn't just be able to inherit your parents' money. Is this a bye-bye Clay Thompson moment? Or are we saving that? Yeah, I, look, I don't know who's trading for Clay right now. Is there an expiring contract there? Sure. But I don't know, man. I don't know. It doesn't look like there's really a way out of this. Rap Album Depot, yes, Damon Bruce exactly explains why NIL is ridiculous. I'm not supporting the old system, though. Yeah, Again, the old system needed updating. This update is like, oh, it's too much, too, too fast, too quickly, and it is as built to do a disservice to the kids 
as the first model was built to do a disservice to the kids. Only on this end, you get a little money out of it. But you'll find that money is a temporary thing and doesn't redefine happiness. But that coach who leaned into you and grinded on you to make you better might. And now that coach might not be able to even exist anymore. Now there's going to be some programs where it's like, kid, you're here, you're at the top. There's nowhere else for you to transfer to. Outside of those programs, that small handful of programs, every single coach is going to be beholden to the whims of some snot-nosed 18-year-old his entire ass has got kissed his entire life, like you're raising generation massive pussy. There's no doubt. Just transferring, transferring, transferring. Erwin, you're right. Student athletes transfers, they should have a limit. It shouldn't be just unlimited pulls of the, of the, the slot machine arm. So, like I told you, I got to go. I got to go ahead and get to uh, some errands of the day. I got a prescription to pick up. Very exciting stuff. Uh, maybe a new pair of shoes. Got to stop by the bank, get some cash, all the stuff you need before you go to Las Vegas. So, I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you. Oh, hold on. Uh, we got a little something from Peter says, I'm getting out of the hospital today after my fib diagnosis. What do you got? A fib major life changes ahead, but glad to still hear your voice go Niners. Will the giants ever sign another bat? No, probably not. Um, who's left? Who do you want? Yeah. Go get Jorge Solar. That's about it. It's all that's left. Uh, Peter, I'm glad you're out of the hospital. Wishing you the very, very best. Again, we really get to know people on here. They take us inside of their lives, bring us inside of their, their wins and their pain, marriages and kids being born, parents passing. It really is, uh, really is a, a very cool community that we've built here. And I thank you for building this community on my little channel. Again, you could, you, you have options to get together and do this wherever you want. Uh, you keep on coming back here. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Thank you very much, 49er Ultimate Report. Quest for Six, Corey Davis, Laura Cat for the Jones family. Very, very nice. The Jones family, that's very nice. Um, we're all praying for you, man. JJ. Thank you very much, Postman. Outstanding show today. Oy, oy, oy. I'll take it. Thank you. Great show, Damon. Thank you, Leslie. What do we got here? Damon, you're going to Vegas? Hell yeah, Bun OBB, I'm going to Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas. So hard. Went through this with my dad a few years ago. Sending love to James Jones. Absolutely, man. Send some love to James Jones, his family, his father. May his... May his passing be smooth and comfortable and surrounded by family with love. And again, to those of you who work in hospice, you're like angels walking among us on the earth. Um, 
You know, when we talk about who should be paid better in life, teachers, hospice workers, people who are really make important impacts on life. Talk show hosts on YouTube, people who really affect things. (laughs) Thank you very, very much for being here. I will talk to you from Las Vegas in our next live show. Don't know exactly when, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen on Wednesday. In the meantime, thanks to all of you. Thanks to my sponsors. You're fantastic. Just a shout out to Uncle Boys. We didn't include them in the sponsor uh, roll call earlier. We love you, Uncle Boys. Always have, always will. You're all fantastic. See you in Las Vegas. Sports don't build character. They reveal it.